0: go on ra- Welcome to another episode of the low- motherfucking Chop pockets
1: welcome to your friday lowlifes we got one hell of an episode with you as we continue down the list of the greasy dozen builders but before we get into those interviews and a whole bunch of other good shit let's kick this off the way we always do We're motherfucking spots yeah buddy first up We got Chicken Fried Choppers, a.k.a. ChopShit.com. The homie Chicken Rick is the plug, the chopper plug. Hit up ChopShit.com for all of those stickers, pins, patches, hoodies, and chopper goodies, as well as the home of the Low Life merch. So if you want some of that, you got to swing over to ChopShit.com to get it and tell him Low Life Chopper Podcast sent you. He might have heard of us. I don't know. Next up, we got Paco, 50 years in the game. These guys have everything you need for your Harley-Davidson, from frames to exhaust to springers to handlebars, transmission components. You know, your boy's a big fan. They've got everything over there. So head on over to Paco, P-A-U-G-H-C-O.com or Paco Parts, all one word, on Instagram. Next up. We've got Lucky Horseshoe Customs and Keebler Customs out of Denver, Colorado. These guys are into a little bit of everything. They do motorcycles, they do commercial fabrication, 3D printing, and CNC plasma cutting. So if you've got a project that is in need of fabrication of any type, hit up Lucky Horseshoe Customs and Keebler Customs on Instagram. Give me one second cuz I got to pull up the messages. We got to change to one of the ad reads. So <laughs> you know it's going to throw me for a loop here. All right. Next up, we've got chopcult.com who have been around since 2009. So they've been in the game for 11 years. They are the hub for all of your chopper related news blog features. They got the forums so you can jump on there, make an account, set up a build thread so you can remember what you fucked up on that last build. Go to the classifieds, scroll through, find the parts you need for that build. And last but not least, check out the Brola decks and see who is riding around in your area that you need to link up with. Big shout out to Lisa over there. She has been holding it down for a long time. We appreciate
0: the support. Appreciate her. Thing. That's it. Uh, Up next, we got the homie Wes at Custom Destruction. Uh, The man who makes the dopest motherfucking helmets in the game and for the same price as your average stock helmet. Listen, I say this shit every fucking week. I know you got a sick of hearing it, but get over to Custom Destruction on Instagram and order yourself the only motherfucking helmet that makes the ugliest motherfucker look sexy.
1: That's right, you ugly motherfuckers. Go get one. (laughs) You fucking ugly-ass bitches. (laughs) Does it work on ugly-ass bitches, too?
0: (laughs) And last but not least, we got this month's giveaway sponsor, Born Again, coming in hot. Listen, this month, he is giving away. Uh, It is, let's see. It's a cigar ashtray made of hardwood and aluminum. Uh, rabbit foot dice holder that can hang from your bike instead of a gremlin bell. This thing is actually super fucking dope. Um, a handmade marker that uses the Milwaukee Inksals, uh marker thing. You know what I mean? This like pops inside of it. It's a nice fucking metal case for it. And a piston head. So it's like a Piston that he did some fabric on and made it look like a fucking face. And that is a shift knob that is 3H by 24 threads. Um, yeah, so that's the giveaway this month. If you want to get involved, you have to be following Born Again Choppers on Instagram. And you got to be a subscriber to the motherfucking Patreon.
1: Which you can do by going over to patreon.com slash Podcast and click on Giveaway Level Supporter. That's all you got to do to get entered in for a chance to win that badass fucking prize pack, which we're going to be doing the drawing for in just two weeks because we're a little delayed with this past month's giveaway. So you got two weeks to figure it out. Also... Loctite might have already said this, and I missed it. But you better be following Born Again Choppers, or you're not winning nothing. Go on to Born Again. Shit, all one word on Instagram, and follow that motherfucker. Um, we need to get a picture for the people. Uh, I just looking through his page and our page. There's no pictures up yet, but we will. You get He did put that. a
0: video up. Oh, did he? At one point, I don't know if it was in his story or what, but he did have a video at one point.
1: Oh I see yeah, yeah he ha- actually it's on his page. oh damn, the ashtray is dope.
0: yeah it's super yeah. Okay. sick
1: he's got it. Click on the video first video on his page, and uh, you can see exactly what we're talking about Oh, the Milwaukee Pen thing that is dope, huh? This whole thing is sick
0: what yeah, he been know? making those he's been making those for a little bit. I like those that. things are really fucking cool.
1: Is it too late for me to enter the giveaway?
0: Uh, I think there might be conflict of interest maybe.
1: <laughs> we'll see. We'll talk we'll talk to the guys that run the show.
0: Yeah. We know some people.
1: <laughs> all right. I think that's all we got for sponsors. We didn't leave anything out, right? I don't think so. All right, we Jump into those motherfucking
0: outs. Well let's do it. First uh Yeah, you go ahead, go ahead, man.
1: Let's see. First up we shout out to Zulu underscore ducks underscore given been talking to this dude for a a couple of weeks now about a bunch of different odds and ends shit. Nothing particular. He's a gun guy. You know, you got to love that. And, uh, yeah, just appreciate people that are, I mean, I wouldn't say new to the show, but at least new to writing in and actually getting to chat with you guys and find out what you're all about. So I encourage more people to do that and shout out to Zulu ducks given for, uh, Slowly becoming one of the homies.
0: Game uh, with the dude who just won the giveaway. Iron Trash Rat. Yeah, shout out to Iron Trash Rat. Uh, appreciate the support. He was following, so he does win that motherfucking dope-ass giveaway.
1: He is stoked, by the way. Lots of caps, <laughs> lots of hype. <laughs>
0: exactly
1: what we love to see. I got to send him a post Malone congratulations. So shout out to that motherfucker. Let's see who else we got here.
0: Uh, I just want to shout out everybody that reached out to me uh, earlier this week when your boy was having a fucking mental breakdown. Listen, I'm only human. (laughs) And uh, I appreciate everybody that reached out to me. Hell Yeah.
1: All right, I got to stop trying to actually respond to people while I pull these messages up. <laughs> Let's see. Shout out to fish tank whiskey and oh, shit. Kate Barry, who hit me up about coming to meet up. She was looking to do a photo shoot, expand the portfolio and gave me a reason to get on the bike and try out that new fucking hide seat that uh, I just threw on there. And it was a comfy motherfucking ride. And, kate takes fucking awesome pictures so if you got uh bikes you're looking to get photographed hit her up kate barry photography on instagram
0: well also we should uh see if we can get in touch with the owner at high seats and see if uh maybe we can work out some kind of giveaway or some kind of deal for our listeners
1: Oh yeah, we should definitely. Uh, we'll reach out to that man, and we'll see if we can set that up. I know a lot of people been uh, been hitting him up from the show. Which, by the way, I appreciate the fuck out of that. That's that's how we like to pay it back to the community. Get people contacting other people, supporting the local people that are doing this stuff. That's what it's all about. So we'll see if we can work out a promo code for you guys.
0: Uh, let's see. I don't like, fucking week.
1: I know. That is, hey, sometimes it happens. I'm in the wrong account here. I got too many motherfucking accounts going on. Uh,
0: Shout-out to Amy, a.k.a. Whiskey Eye, and Rob, the crazy gentleman. If um, so you guys that are living under a fucking... I heard, but Grease and I are supposed to be heading to upstate New York in the next couple of weeks to do some motherfucking hunting. We're going to record on fucking... Uh, the Crazy Gentleman Podcast. Rob's also going to do an interview with us. Um, it should be a good fucking time. So shout out to those guys. I appreciate you having us, and hopefully we can make it happen. Finally
1: getting on that show.
0: <laughs>
1: That's awesome.
0: Finally, I've only been asking for fucking ever. It's <laughs> like a real asshole when I got. I thought I had some kind of like clout in this game. No,
1: yeah, it's really uh... not, man. We really had to wear him down. It took. Yeah, that- Rob only.
0: Rob only gets the heavy hitters on that show. I just. I haven't made it to that stage.
1: <laughs> I was still <laughs> dying when he was talking about getting some heavy hitters on, and you're like, "That's weird." I feel like you hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, let's see. Shout out to Jimbo, aka Suicide out in uh, Melbourne, Australia. I said Melbourne. I just made that up. I just feel like that's where he's from. It might not be Melbourne, but he's definitely (laughs) in Australia. (laughs) Um, The other night, and he was doing his best. There's a lot. There's probably 30 messages back and forth between us, and he was trying to explain a concept to me, and I'm putting this out there because I know we got a lot of Australian listeners, and I was hoping maybe somebody could do – could expand on what he did. I won't say he did a bad job, but I still don't know the answer. I trying to understand what a Ute is versus a truck, and it's really fucking confusing. And apparently- You're they are still on this? Dude, we're still on this, man, because it's <laughs> been a long time since Cam introduced the topic, and I still can't get a handle on it. But I did learn that in Australia, what they call a flatbed is a tray, and what they call an actual truck is a tub, which is weird as fuck. But uh, I still can't understand the Ute thing. He sent me a bunch of pictures. It only got more confusing the more we talked. But shout out to you, homie, for doing your best. I just can't grasp it. So I need the uh, explain it like I'm five version.
0: It happens to the best of us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not understanding Australian lingo. It does indeed. Um, I think that's all I got, man. It's been pretty light this week.
0: Yeah, uh, I just want to give a shout out to Nigel and AK Cycles for coming on last week. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that episode as much as we did. And uh, just a reminder, the Greasy Dozen, we're doing the um, the virtual, is that what we're calling it? The virtual release? Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're doing the virtual release. Make sure you watch out for that. Uh The live is on Facebook. I believe he said it was like an hour and some change maybe it's uh it's pretty long, but everybody got all this shit done by professional fucking people and uh make sure you check it out. support all of the fucking guys who spent their entire winter and all of their money building cool shit.
1: love it. I think that's all we got for shoutouts, right.
0: I believe
1: so. I believe so, too. All right. In that case, I think we are about ready. Who do we Who are we going? Who's up first? Who are we
0: rolling uh, into? Uh, that's a great fucking question. I guess we'll find out uh, right after this. Right after we roll into this motherfucking interview. <laughs> All right, guys. We have Chase from Rustworthy Psychos, another fellow Greasy Dozen Builder. What up, homie? What's up? To finally get you on. Yeah, definitely. I'm stoked. So um I, we kind of have like uh a little trend going here with the rest of the guys. So I guess we'll decide the same way is we'll start uh <laughs> it's all good. Um oh, we we'll didn't start introduce
1: with... uh Bendy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Ben, quit that shit, dude. Come on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she's mad she didn't get an introduction that's what it is
0: <laughs> <That's> it. <laughs> so uh we'll start with uh what age you got into bikes what got you into bikes and uh we'll just go from there
2: okay cool um started riding when i was eight like on a pw80 um, wow. ever since then it was i raced for a long time until i was probably like 14, realized I couldn't make it racing motocross. So I just started riding for the hell of it. I was a practice princess. I just go to the track and just ride around on practice days. I haven't raced in a long time, but uh, I think I was 20, 20 or 21 when I got my first street bike. And uh, then it's been this ever since, man.
1: Can I ask you about the racing thing? You, what what age did you say you were when you got started with the, the motocross stuff?
2: I uh, started riding dirt bikes when I was 8. started racing when I was 10. And, and you said uh, it was
1: how quick that you became aware that, that this wasn't going to be what you
2: did full-time? Oh, man. It was uh, actually... Every motocrosser has their own story about whenever they're like, fuck, I'm not going to make it doing this. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I was at a Loretta Lynn's qualifier when I was 14 at uh Smoky Mountain motocross in Tennessee. And uh, Zach Osborne, he's still shredding, but uh, he was on an 85 at the time and I was on a 125. And he blew around me on the outside so hard (laughs) that I was like, damn. Yeah, I'm never going as fast as that kid.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's definitely got to be a tricky thing, you know, because you're – it it just seems like the kind of sport where you find out – right away i've I've talked about welding in that way too where like you drop the hood and you know right away whether whether this is going good or this is going bad and it is like, it uh, is
2: for sure <laughs> yeah it's um you've either got it or you don't yeah. <laughs> you, but you can be like a local hero all you want but whenever it actually counts it's uh it's a whole different thing once you move out of your area
1: but even somebody that that isn't cut out for maybe the racing side of it I feel like there's still so much fun to be had with that with the bikes in general even if you're not competitively racing them
2: yeah yeah oh definitely that's why I just dicked off for almost a decade and just riding going through and whatever it was actually more fun to me that way I was never I never had that race mindset like Somebody came up behind me they're faster than I was. I was like, man, I know this guy's falling fast. So i just get over to the side. i <laughs> all right, dude, go. I don't care.
1: That's it. Well, it's actually, it seems the more people we talk to about this kind of stuff, the more it, it seems to me like it's almost two different worlds between that and guys that do the street bike stuff. And a lot of the guys that I've met that do motocross, they don't even, some of them never even get into street bikes. So what was it that made you decide to, make the switch over? And, and do you still do the, the, uh, the dirt bike stuff?
2: Uh, I don't have any dirt bikes anymore. Um, it's one of those things, maybe when I get some more time, I'll, I'll, I'll grab another one, but, uh, I got into street bikes because my first street bike was a, uh, DRZ 400 SM. So like the Supermoto, And oh, okay. I got into Supermoto for a while and I was like, man, this is fun. And, uh, rode that thing for a little bit and then that just kind of like evolved into uh think I had my next one after I got rid of that was a 1981 CB750 that I made a cafe racer out of of course and um <laughs> then uh yeah it just kind of kept going from there I was like anti Harley for a long time I think it was all like the motocross background
1: I was going to say, I would imagine that that runs deep in the motocross scene.
2: Oh, yeah, that's all it is, Japanese bikes. Well, not anymore, really. Now they're European ones that are crushing shit.
1: What's crushing it nowadays?
2: uh, Man, Husky, KTM, um, they're pretty much cleaning everybody out. They've got the best programs, and they're really good. Hondas, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for – honda so um they're they're still up there but i mean you got any yamahas where's yamaha fall on the spectrum of, on the hierarchy here oh man yeah yeah from wrenching on them um honda and yamaha are definitely my favorite japanese bikes for sure
1: yeah i've always been a big yamaha fan man i feel like they make great dirt great dirt bikes great street bikes great pianos they really do it all
2: oh yeah yeah
1: so street bike wise when you got into the street bikes what did you say cb i had a cb
2: 750 first it was in 1981 so it was the uh dual overhead cam engine instead of the single and that thing ripped the suspension sucked but uh the engine was really good but um did you tweak that suspension
1: or was it uh, – I know you said you made a cafe racer out of it. Was it stock in the suspension?
2: Oh, dude, it was completely stock. I had no idea what I was doing back then. So I, put, <laughs> I ripped the air box and all that stuff out of it so I could have, like, that empty triangle in the back underneath the seat. Yeah, uh,
1: negative space.
2: Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I got uh, – I can't even remember who did the tail section for it, but, like, I paid, like, $600 for a tail section for that thing. And oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, it looked real sick, though, because nobody does anything to the dual overhead cam ones, so you couldn't just, like, buy a tail section for it. All Everybody just does it for the single overhead cam. So I actually had to, like, get the guy to make it for me. And,
1: and oh, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize it was different. Uh, which So which ones are the dual versus the single? The the, the, the 350s or the single?
2: No, 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 the 750s, so... Early seventies they were all single, and then I think in seventy nine they went to the dual overhead cam and Gosh. they changed yeah they changed the frames up and everything. it sucked. I didn't know it at the time. I was just like, oh cool c v seven fifty but um, I made it work, and it was a cool bike, but uh, yeah, the suspension was real bad, brakes weren't good.
1: <laughs> that does seem like one of those things that as a person coming into bikes as a new a, a new rider. I think Loctite went through the same thing with the uh, with the early years of the Sportster where you just don't realize that you're buying what you think is the same across the board and then it's like, oh, yeah, but these years fucking suck and yeah. you can to find any parts for this.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was caught with one of those bastard year ones that I was like, I had to get everything made for it. So that didn't end up too good. Um, <laughs> but then I had a uh, – I sold it and – I got a CB 350, a 71 CB 350, for like six or seven hundred dollars off of Craigslist that didn't run or anything, and I've been a, a mechanic for almost a decade, and I started out working on motorcycles at a uh, our local like Honda Yamaha shop, so uh, I bought that thing and got it running but i just wanted to do it like the cheapest that i possibly could so i ripped the seat off of it i had a broken skateboard deck that i like cut oh, up yeah and made my own seat out of a skateboard deck and uh it was kind of like a little tracker style cb it had pro taper handlebars so that that's the motocross bleeding through in it and everything and um man that was probably one of my favorite bikes that I've ever had and I sold it to my buddy actually so I get to see her every once in a while but uh oh,
1: that's awesome at least you uh at least it's not gone gone
2: no no not gone gone I still get the chance to spend some wrenches on it every now and then so it's still around
1: that's that's awesome man so after you sold that one what did you uh what did you move to from there
2: uh I actually sold it I Was moving to uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, and sold everything. I just didn't want to haul all that shit all the way across the country because I'm Southern Ohio. So it's like a 15-hour drive, and uh, I just clean house of everything. And then I got down there, and I think I made it about three weeks. And I was like, man, it's bullshit not having a bike. So did the classic. Like on a Sunday, drive down to the Harley dealership, and then the dealer down there, they had it's the craziest thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> it was free beers all day, every day. And on the weekends, they had like bikini bike washes and uh, like free food and all kinds of shit. So I roll up there on a Sunday and like get some food and drink like six or seven beers. And start looking at bikes. And this is still the time where I was like, man, I'm not getting a Harley. Fuck that. So <laughs> I see a street bob sitting there. And it was like the olive gold uh, collarway. And I didn't know anything about Harleys back then. So a salesman comes rolling up, of course and he was like which one do you like and i was like i like this one and he was like you want to go ride it and i was like we can ride these things because the dealership i worked at you didn't get to ride it until they had money in the, their pocket so that was something crazy to me and i was like yeah cool and he was like what other one do you like i'll ride it and you can ride that one and then we'll switch off halfway and i was like all right cool so i picked like a uh, 72 Sportster or something like that because I just wanted something kind of cheap but then beers and uh, riding a Dyna kind of fucked me on that one
1: I was going to say it's hysterical <laughs> that they uh, that not only do they not take a deposit, but they're like, yeah, drink all these beers. We'll just go yeah, ride yeah. the bike around. Yeah,
2: exactly. I was like, there's no way they're going <laughs> to let me ride this thing. I'm half lit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't give a shit, man. It was awesome.
1: Dude, they're doing customer service the right way over there. That's the kind of dealership I like.
2: Oh, hell yeah, exactly. But I got that thing, and then uh, that's kind of what all kickstarted started it, man. I built it the completely wrong way that you should build a Dyna, but – I made like a kind of like a 70s style chop. out of it because it had that like metal flake green gold collar to it. So, what year
1: is the street bob? Uh, 2016. I'm just pulling it up in the background here so I could see. I can't yeah. think back of all of them in my brain. Be- oh, yeah. Okay. So, you got the external suspension on it. So, it's it yeah, yeah
2: line of look. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, it had the uh like the external rear shocks and all that. And uh, I don't know, like that bike just right out of the box looked like a bobber to me. So I was like, I'm going to build like a 70s style bobber out of it. And that's what I did. And then I I had like sandy skirt blower exhaust on it that hung super low. It was like the exhaust that have like the kick up at the end of it. And then they had like the, uh, uh, what do they call it? Kind of like the trumpet style tips that like flare out. And uh, I just... I live out in the country man so i'm constantly just in twisties and i had like 11 inch shocks on it it was super low in the back end and i literally drug a hole in those exhausts <laughs> and, yeah buddy <laughs> yeah i just i was like every time i'd go into a right turn i'd just get pissed off and just lay the exhaust against the ground like all my buddies be bitching at me at rods. they're like god damn i'm just
1: eating sparks the whole way down the road so uh, dragging the pegs dragging the exhaust like that's that's what it's all about man
2: yeah yeah hell yeah that's my favorite part about it so then i got rid of it uh like a year ago and i got a low rider s and oh, there you go. it's all done up club style and shit like that and it is way too fast i'm okay. that the one that's behind you uh the black one over here yeah Nice, yeah.
1: So, how did that one did? Did that one uh, ride a lot different
2: than the? Uh, oh, it, Night and day. It's like uh, I was telling for us. What is it?
1: Contrast the two for us. Like, how did? How are they different from each
2: other? So, I, my buddy was asking me about it whenever I got it, and I was like, "Man, it's as big of a difference as getting off of my seventy-seven Ironhead onto the Street Bob." as it is getting off of the street bob onto the low rider it's like wow. night and day it just feels like they're 20 years apart whenever they're <laughs> like four years apart it's ridiculous
1: and so you think the soft tail just handles much better
2: they do man the chassis are so rigid and just that single shock setup and like the inverted forks it's they made a really good motorcycle this year
1: I've always felt this way. I'm so happy to hear you say this. Just confirms everything I believe already. But uh, (laughs) yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. and like whenever I had my street Bob, I was like Dino all the way. I was like, man, those things suck. They look like Honda shadows, and like, and then I was actually working on one. Um, I had a customer. I had a 2020 Street Bob, and he'd put like tall risers on it and like moto bars. And I rode it down the road, and I was like, wow, these things don't suck at all not hating for it because that made me go back in debt with harley but uh oh well
1: <laughs> so so you think the 2020s they, they they really ironed it out when they changed they
2: made the change from the old suspension oh yeah dude the soft tails are so much better yeah
1: yeah i don't know what it is about the the external shock versus the the mono shock underneath with the soft tail, but I mean, I had the Yamaha Roadstar, which is the knockoff of the Fat Boy, and now I have a Harley Fat Boy, and they are. I've just, I've always felt like that that frame style just handles so well. But it's so funny to hear you say this because everybody always talked about the Dyna as being the bike that handled so well and. I I won't even speak on the FXR. We've (laughs) spoken on that one so much about the the triangle under the frame and the best frame Harley ever
2: made. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I just
1: feel like the soft tail, they just fucking nailed it
2: with the... Oh, yeah, and I think it's just because, like a Dyna, you've just got a straight swing arm coming out, and the only thing that connects it are the two shocks, whereas the soft tail, you've got, like, this triangulated swing arm, so it's already more rigid, and then... It, like it, it's just a way better design. Japanese I feel like, like it bounces they're, they're,
1: back better. It bounces back faster. Like as you come into a curve, it really like and you and you put load on the suspension. It throws itself back out of the back out of the the pressure quicker than it does with the other one. Because um, my eight eight three, you know, with the side mounted shocks, and I almost feel like you're. You know, it just feels like you're not. You don't sit down into it as
2: much. Right. Right. I I think my biggest like thing about the swing arm is it doesn't flex. It doesn't flex whenever you're laying in turns and stuff because the street Bob, whenever I'd be laying into left hard, that because that was the only way I could lean into a turn hard (laughs) without ripping my exhaust off, but it just felt like it wadded up. And then as soon as you're coming out it like the swing arm would like flex back. And you just get like that rear wheel chop all the way through a turn, and
1: yes, I feel like it swims a little more. It as, does as you yeah. come out. It almost feels like it, like is shaking left to right, as opposed to the other one that just feels like it. It 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 doesn't over sag and it doesn't over correct. It just is more consistent. I guess I
2: definitely say. consistency. Yeah, that's that's the perfect word for it. It's just way more consistent. You can. To actually tell what it's doing you don't it's just exactly. lay in and go oh god i hope this ends up well
1: right you just all you got to do is just drag those pipes and just have a great time you don't got to think about anything else
2: oh yeah that's the training wheels man just dragging those pipes <laughs> <laughs> you know, what you need to do is you
1: need to get the 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 one on each side so you know like curb feelers yeah yeah curb feelers.
2: yeah there we go that's that'd be it. perfect
1: so, tell us about how how you first heard about the greasy dozen um and then we'll, after that we can kind of dive into what made you decide to enter it
2: okay, cool, yeah, um so actually um I think I was at Blind Bob's in Dayton, Ohio, drinking beers and eating dinner with one of my buddies, and uh I just got my iron head maybe three weeks beforehand, and um we always, it's always tattoos or motorcycles or whatever. That's all we talk about. So, um, it, it turned into talking about the Iron Head pretty quick. And he was like, Man, I went to because we're Ohio, so we're right by the greasy dozen. Um, he'd went last year. And he was like, "Man, it's a really cool event." And he was like, "You should sign up for it, and maybe they'll help you out with your bike if you get in it." And I was like, "Ah, like I'll, I'll, I'll try to." And um, I really don't have that big of a social media presence or anything. I just can't get on board with it for some reason. It's just me. But um, I was like, "All right." Like, I never post pictures of my bikes or anything like that. So it was, like, kind of hard to post a picture of, like, this old shitty Ironhead that I'd picked up. <laughs> and everybody was, like, oh, my God, like, that's what he rides right now. But uh, I went ahead and did it. And I was actually, like, really excited about it. So um, whenever I actually got picked, I was stoked.
1: Yeah, what was that night like? Because I know so, it was uh, – it- you guys were waiting quite a long time. Wasn't it, uh, almost, wasn't it almost near Christmas?
2: Uh, Thanksgiving.
1: Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving
2: Yeah. Um, I was actually because it was supposed to be announced like a couple weeks before that, I think. And the week of Thanksgiving, I was actually in Tulsa, Oklahoma working the grands. It's like a, a national BMX race. And, uh, whenever I was in Florida, I worked at a BMX bicycle shop. So they travel around the country to like all these different, um, BMX races. And after I moved back to Ohio, they just call me whenever they need me and they'll fly me out to all these races. So they called and they're like, Hey, you want to help us at the grands? And I was like, yeah, cool. So I go, so I'm sitting there still working on BMX bikes whenever the, uh, I get tagged in photos and then I open it up and I see that I'm in the greasy dozen. So, damn, yeah, there were some stoke boosters heard around the world on that one. All my buddies were stoked for me. They like, don't even ride motorcycles at all, <laughs> but like all of them were so pumped for me. It was awesome.
1: Oh, that's super fucking cool, man. Where, so what stage was, uh, was the bike at at the time that you got picked?
2: It was actually, um, so I picked it up and it was a complete bike, which is very rare for an Iron Head. And, um, it, it just been sitting forever, man. And I'm so far south in Ohio that I'm actually like five minutes away from West Virginia. And this thing oh, was man. out in this fucking holler in West Virginia. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm cruising out through there in the van, and there's, like, no trespassing signs everywhere. And it's just a gravel road that you're, like, going through creeks and shit. And I finally get to this place, and there's just junk Camaros sitting on blocks everywhere and, like, 10 dogs. And I, like, didn't even want to get out of the van. I'm like, these dogs are going to kill me. But I did it, and then, like, I went and knocked on the door, and the dude was sleeping after I told him that I was on my way. So he finally wakes up and comes out and uh, he leads me around with a shed that's in the back and it's sitting in there and like, it actually looked, looked nice. It was like a 20 footer, but yeah. um, he uh, went and got his buddy that lived in a camper in front of his house. And he came around there and like, I'll never forget it, man. He just goes digging through this box and grabs this Mountain Dew bottle, and it's got like a brass barb fitting in the cap of it. And he fills the bottle up with gas and then he hooks it up to the carb.
1: (laughs) Oh, God.
2: Oh, yeah. And then he had like a, he had one jumper, like a set of alligator clip jumper, like a little test cable. And he jumped something. And then he was like, hey, man, hold this paper clip on this relay for me. <laughs> like, had me jump another relay and then takes a screwdriver and just crosses the solenoid on the starter. And it fired up and ran. <laughs> so, yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. OK, cool. But I think I only paid like a thousand bucks for the thing. And it fired up and it was a whole bike. So I was like, fuck it. It's worth the money to me. Yeah, it's and, hard to beat that price. Yeah, yeah, for real. And uh, I ended up bringing it home, man. He gave me like a shovel head back wheel, like off an old, I, I don't know if it was off a low lowrider or what, but it didn't even fit. He was just like, Yeah, if you want this stuff, I've got it. And I was like, All right, cool, load it up. Throw it in the truck. That's it. Yeah. Dude, that is
1: awesome. So, you bring this thing home and are, is your first, are you rewiring this thing? Are you feeling like you're just going to run with these pick with paper clips in your pockets?
2: Like- <laughs> no, <laughs> no. So my whole idea for the thing at first, I was just going to buy like a pocket, uh, like a chassis and just swap the engine over into it and then just sell that chassis. And, um, I started thinking about it and man, I live out in the country and there's potholes everywhere and like roadkill. And it's just not the right place to be riding a rigid chop around. So I'd always wanted to build like a tracker, scrambler brat bike kind of thing. So I just decided to keep the chassis because like it was actually in pretty good shape. There wasn't any cracks in the welds or anything like that. So I was like, ah, I'll just do this. And then tidal work and everything like that. I didn't want to completely change the frame out. so
1: Definitely. I mean, I like the, yeah. the direction that you went with it. it. It really does. It's. I just don't see a lot of bikes with this style. And I feel like you see so many Ironheads with your standard, not that they don't look cool, but, like, you see a lot with your standard Paco frame and and all the, the bells and whistles that you always see. But this is, like, it's just very out of the box. I like that you kept, you know, like, monochromatic. You got one color scheme, but then you got the red accents popping through there. What was the deal with the points cover here?
2: Uh, Actually, Vicious Cycles made that for me. And uh, when I was building the whole thing, I wanted to put as many, like, things from Ohio in it as I could since you know greasy dozen's a nationwide thing. Yep. So uh I just wanted to incorporate as many like Ohio details into it as I could. And that it's a arrowhead and it's actually a Adina like native arrowhead that I got from Huron, Ohio. And um oh, wow. I just sent him that and whenever I was getting ready to send that out uh bendy my dog uh i was playing like tug of war with her with this piece of shit rope and it ripped her tooth out so <laughs> like her baby <laughs> tooth yeah. so i was like well fuck it and i threw it in the package too so it's just an arrowhead and then bendy's tooth in there oh my god that's hysterical
1: you guys can the, for the listeners out there you can see he's got a picture of this i don't know if we mentioned on the in the instagram handle is roastworthy underscore cycles um And he's got a post where you could see an up-close shot of the arrowhead and one of Bindi's baby teeth that got pulled out with a rope. So it's <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> fucking wild. That's hysterical, man.
2: Yeah, he hooked he up it. on that.
1: <laughs> threw it in there with it. That picture is sick, too. It almost looks like the thing is, like, fresh out of the oven. It looks like it's smoking.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's got a bunch of, like, some kind of, like, metal flake in the background of it. I don't know if it's gold or not. It's been a while since I looked at it.
1: Yeah, it's cool, dude. It really looks like like thick.
2: Yeah, oh, it's real thick. It's like probably almost a half inch thick. It's way thicker than the stock one was. Fuck, dude. Yeah.
1: Extra long screws for this bad boy.
2: Oh, yeah. I think I had to go to the hardware store and rob some of those.
1: That's it, man. I like, by the way, that you... I think a lot of times, like obviously, it's, it's mainly black, and you've got the red accents and I feel like people's natural inclination is like, okay, I'll make both of the, I'll make both of the rims red and then I'll do red fork boots and then I'll do red grips. And it's like, it's just so it's too much. And you kept it restrained and that's awesome. It's just the points cover and two of or three of the rings on the shock. It's very tastefully done.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That's one of my biggest pet peeves is like whenever you overdo an accent collar, it. Makes it way worse, in my opinion. I'm like, man, just do black or polished or whatever that goes with your bike, and just throw the little like subtle hints in there,
1: right? As opposed to, better. I'm going to paint all the fins too, and you're like,
2: <laughs> don't. Oh yeah, yeah. This is way too much.
1: <laughs> it really does look. uh It's just the right amount, though, and the seat looks comfortable.
2: Oh yeah, I think it's just like a stock. Ironhead seat i ended up getting that from old bike barn um and they were just supposed to be like an nos iron head takeoff but um i, I kind of want to redo it i'd like to make my own seat pan and make it fit a little bit better because it's got like a gap underneath it but sure. by the time i actually got to put the seat on i was so fucking overworking on that thing and I was like, yep, looks good to me. It's not going anywhere. Send it.
1: That's right. Yeah. Wheels are really nicely done, too. And I, I see you got a post here talking about building your own set of wheels. Are these, did you buy the wheels themselves? And then?
2: Nope. Actually, those are the wheels that came on her. Um, they're like the uh, high shoulder. Is that what they call them? Yep. Okay. So it's a high shoulder rim, front end back. 18 back, 19 front. And I'd never seen a rim like that before I picked it up. And I was like, man, I kind of don't want to use any other wheels. Like these things are really cool. So I just tore them apart and bought new spoke kits for both sides, new wheel bearings and everything. And then um, had the hubs powdered flat black and the rims gloss and built them up. But I really wanted to build my own wheels for it because while I was working at that BMX company, um that's all i did like what while i was in st petersburg yeah i just sat at a desk and built bicycle wheels day in and day out so oh, this
1: is right up your alley
2: yeah yeah so i was pumped about doing a set of motorcycle wheels and then actually after i did those i had customers in the shop and that turned into probably five sets of wheels that customers saw mine and they're like oh you can build them like can you tear mine apart and get the rims powdered red and all like all this stuff. So it actually opened up like a whole another service that I could do for people. So it
1: really is yeah. great. Cause I love the, the fact that you went with cause the, the, the wheel itself or excuse me, the tire itself is the flat. And then you've got the gloss black of the rim and then flat again on the, on the hub. And it's just mm-hmm. such a nice, like it, like the gloss is the actual contrast, but it's all the same color. And I right, think people right. don't it was I think it was Nick and Chip the Dirty Builds that was telling me how people very rarely do people pay attention or think about the wheels on the build. And that, but then if somebody does it right, it's hard to put your finger on what it is that makes it look so damn good, but the way, it really is the wheels, and you did an awesome job. Um, like I said, keeping it restrained, but you but with the actual with the chrome spokes, it, it just it really comes together well on the bike.
2: Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it flows in with the engine, chassis, paintwork, everything. So I was really excited about it.
1: Love it, man. So hey, we got two minutes. I don't want to to rush us here, but we got two minutes before the room closes. I just want to see if you have any advice for the next class of Greasy Dozen builders that are uh, going to be entering this coming November.
2: Um, man, my biggest advice is a little bit of salt, but don't enter unless you're going to work on your bike because they there do so much for all of us. And it just really sucks whenever you get people to enter and just don't do anything with it. Like it bums me out. But, um, other than that, don't go too far into stuff. Um, it's nice to have all the details and all that worked out, but, you're on a time limit. So the time limit sneaks up fast. You guys know that. So, uh, so uh, d- do as much as you can and all the little stuff that you can add in later, save it for later. So
1: wise advice, man. I think a lot of people bite off, <laughs> bite off too much. So I think that it, that yeah,
2: it's easy to get excited, you know, but uh, just make a running, riding bike, and bring it. And then all the little stuff you want to do, just do it afterwards. It'll still be cool.
1: Love it. Chase, thank you so much, man, for taking the time to chat with us. And uh, we will definitely be talking to you soon. Hopefully we can meet up at a show before next year's Greasy Dozen. But if not, uh, we will definitely be seeing you there, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man, for sure. Awesome. Hey, thanks again, brother. We'll talk to you soon.
0: All right. Thank you, guys. All right, guys, we are back with another fellow Breezy Dozen builder. Uh, we got DJ. It is not DJ Snyder on Instagram. What's up, homie? What's up,
3: guys? How you guys doing?
0: Good. I'm glad to finally get you on. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <sighs> We've been pretty much all of them the same way. Uh, we'll start with, like, a little bit of history. Uh, what got you on the bikes? What your first bike was? And then we'll just let it
3: roll from there. All right. Uh, So the history of me and uh, motorcycles—I actually never was part of motorcycles until I was like 20 years old. I just graduated high school, moved from Colorado to Arizona, and uh, my parents never let me have like dirt bikes or anything cool like that. So the second I moved out of the house, I like was working a discount tire and I saved up as much money as I could, and I bought like a 1989 Suzuki Katana. And uh, I guess it's all kind of downhill from there. But, yeah, I rode that shitty bike like everywhere all the time. That was my first bike. <laughs> it's funny because when,
0: uh, when I was younger, my first bike was a CBR. And, uh, right. I mean, sorry, not a CBR, a uh, GSXR. And yeah, my yeah. cousin got the uh, Katana. And, I mean, I'll say, that I think fucking, I think he's probably the only one amongst
3: all of us that never broke down. dude those engines are insane i used to have to ride like 40 miles one way in arizona at the time so it was like either extremely hot or extremely cold and like uh they don't use generators they use an alternator on them and the nut backed out and i was like hearing the same grind for like 30 miles i was like well this thing's gonna blow up and it never blew up but just drained the oil and put the nut back on it and fucking ran with it But, yeah, they're dope little bikes I have. Uh, So, yeah, that was the first one I ever – that really got me into motorcycles. I wasn't into, like, choppers or anything yet, but that was kind of the start of it.
1: Nice, man. So you scooped that thing up, and then how long did you have it for before you moved on?
3: I had that bike for three years, and I rode it. It was my only bike. And I was, like, moving apartments and everything. And I was, like, really young and wasn't taking care of it or anything. And it always worked. It just – finally, when I graduated school, I got rid of it, which was a stupid fucking idea. But, uh, yeah, it was, like – so I was bikeless, and that was the only time I've ever been bikeless since I had a motorcycle. And I was like, yeah, never again. So.
0: There you go.
1: And was it um –
0: Where did you go from there after that? How long were you bikeless for?
3: uh, I think I was bikeless for like nine months while I was trying to move out of my apartment and uh, like either rent a house out or I I found a bunch of roommates. But yeah, the second I found roommates and I had a bunch of money left over, I was like, hell yeah. I went out and bought another motorcycle. And I kind of just, I went through mostly just street bikes for the time being. I had like uh, some like older YZFs I was cutting up and like, Kind of making like cafe racers were huge, like big, big at the time, like eight years ago out here. So built all those into those. And like, it was cool because they were super fast and reliable, you know. So rode with that for a while. Got rid of those. And then, um, yeah. And then after that, after that bike, after my second cafe racer, I I bought my first Harley. And uh, that was kind of the beginning of my chopper days. It's the beginning of the end. Right, for sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what did you uh, what did you go into when you got your first Harley? Uh
3: I bought a I got a. I had got my first real job out of school and um I'm still actually working there now. And I bought my uh I bought a two thousand Dino wide glide from a guy I worked with and it was pretty dope. He had like done a bunch of old guy work to us, so had like Thunderheader and like it was just, like, super chrome and orange, and at the time, everyone was, like, super obsessed with the uh, Sons of Anarchy, so everyone had, like, blacked out dinas and everything, and I just ripped the thing apart and kept it chrome and uh, orange and had, like, the big-ass T-bars, like, everyone was running on it. Uh, it was pretty cool. That kind of, like, sent me off into that direction, and I was like, damn, this bike's pretty dope. So...
0: <laughs> That's awesome, man. What's like a time frame on that? Like when how long was that from your first bike?
3: So let's see, I was nineteen when I bought my first motorcycle when I moved here. And then it was uh four years later I bought that bike. And I like never even knew anyone that owned a Harley or anything. I just just like fucking buying one.
0: Figure <laughs> <laughs> it out as you go, right?
3: <laughs> and it actually, it was like the, it's, I've only, I just recently bought another Harley, but that w- that first Harley was like the most hands down. Everyone was like, oh, it's going to break down all the time, all this other stuff. Like, it worked great, and we beat that thing into the ground, and it never broke down ever, surprisingly, I guess. i fucking not heard of. Right, I was, I was super <laughs> shocked at myself. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What was the first bike you actually built? Was it for the Greasy Dozen not have you built, like... I mean, um, you said you so, built, like, the cafe shit before, but...
3: Yeah, but that was more, like, just, like, trimming shit off and, like, right. looping out tails and everything. The first bike I built, I bought... When I was 24, I bought this, like, really beat-up KZ750 Twin. And I've spent the last, like, five years of my life just doing everything to that. So I guess like you could say I built that bike. But uh, the Greasy Dozen is, like, the hands down the first full full build i've done that i like imagined in my head and then i was like i'm gonna build this whole thing up
0: right yeah and now is that a bike that you had or is it something that you went out and bought for like you built four degrees uh the
3: bike uh, so when i built my house i sold i had like a 65 barracuda and a my lifted nissan and everything and i sold all of it so we could buy this house I didn't sell my chopper though. And I was like, telling my fiance at the time, I was like, I was going to, I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy a frame and I'm going to build it from that. So I really wanted like a really stupid long bike. And, uh, the second we bought the house, I bought a frame that was made by this old couple in I think Oklahoma. And, um, yeah. And I was like, telling myself I was always going to finish it and it sat there for three years. I didn't do anything with it. (laughs) So,
1: That's how it goes with a lot of these builds, man. They sit for a little bit and and then they come back into it.
3: Right. Like it would sit off on the side of the garage and we'd go on like a like a, a some camp out in like northern Arizona and like one of my close friends has like a really long C B seven fifty and it would like get me all charged up to go again. I was like, fuck yeah and then I'd come home, work on it for a couple of days and then like just lose interest in it, I guess. <laughs> I just didn't want to build it. <laughs>
1: It's a big investment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, time oh, and uh, and money,
3: you know? I don't even want to know how much money I dumped into this thing. I just like, <laughs> it looks cool. That's all that matters. <laughs> it, it does look rad as fuck. How big is that front end, by the way? That front end? I think the front end is 26 or 27 over. I'm like a shy. I'm just a little bit shorter than uh, Long John Chopra. I was talking to him about it. Oh, okay. But, yeah, it's it's huge. I had to buy another front end because the old one was just, like, way too sketchy to be running. Because, like, the engine I picked is another Jixer Bandit, Katana engine. So, a bike will cruise, like, 85, 90 all day. And I was like, man, I don't want to be on an old, crusty Springer front end when this thing's bouncing down the freeway. Seriously. Yeah. I didn't so, know that what was in it for a
0: motor. I just thought that was a CB750.
3: No, no, yeah, it's like the uh ol- the old oil cool Jigsers, they ran from like 82 to 93 and then like the bandits they ran from like 90 something all the way up to 0- 08 cuz I have a 06 and then yeah, same with the katanas. So oh shit. Yeah, so it's like technically it's so a 2006.
0: So that thing must be
3: Yeah, yeah, dude it does. Like I like I said we just blew this thing up like Right after I finished building it, but it was ripping on three cylinders <laughs> until it blew up. How did you blow it up? Just from running well, it? No, I, I I was having like the, the this is the first carburetor I ever had that's had so many fucking O rings, dude. And the third cylinder, the it kept like it hydrolocked once, so I drained it all. And uh, I was out on vacation, and my friend came over to mess with it. And he forgot to turn the fuel back off. So, like, hydrolocked, and he went to start it, and I dropped a valve. Oh, no. So, But I got a new engine sitting here. It's all painted up. I just have to – I'm trying to get it all finished before, the like, the release party, but I'll see how like that goes. <laughs> Are you and that kid still friends? Yeah, he had to buy a new engine. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I just dragged him out mountain biking and he like did a flip down the side of the mountain and like just obliterated his collarbones. So I guess hey you know, we for <laughs> some of that
0: choppa karma <laughs> dude,
3: straight up. Yeah. And he's uh, he's been I've been homies with him since I moved here. So we've been through like all of our motorcycle stuff together, like everything. Shit's just crazy. No shit. That was a little hurt, though. And when I, when I blew that engine up, I was like, dude, we, no matter what we did, we couldn't get that carburetor to tune right. And I was like, dude, something's wrong. I checked the compression, it's got like fifteen pounds of compression. I was like, Oh man. And we're still messing with it and all of a sudden it just stopped running. I was like, Oh, there's no valve in it. (laughs) Yeah. It's not moving. Yeah. But yeah, I'll get it I'll get it back on the road here before hopefully before the release party. So what made you go for a long bike? Just
0: from like seeing like your body's bike and you're like, fuck yeah, or that's just something you've always wanted to build.
3: It's like I don't know. It's like a hard thing to explain. It's I'd never really seen them. Right. Cause I, I used to work weekend shift for like the last like five years of my life. So like, I never had motorcycle friends other than like the two dudes I worked with. Right. Like right. We just, we'd see things on Instagram. We're like, yo, that bike's dope. Uh, we should try and buy one or like make one, you know? And like I bought one before, but it was just like, I was way young and I didn't know what I was doing. So we ended up selling the frame. It was like a CB 750 long bike frame. I've just always wanted one. And then finally, now that I've like you know getting paid a lot more at my job, and I was like, "Dude, I'm just gonna build it." I bought the frame, and we chose this weird ass engine, and like, yeah, finally, I mean this thing rides like shit, but it looks cool
0: <laughs> oh fuck,
1: what was the trickiest part of the build for you
3: um damn that, that's a pretty tough one. The trickiest part of the build was probably like learning how to weld and and cuz like I had to make all the like the battery box which looks like an oil tank is like I made it out of like 19 pieces I like, cut by hand out of like 16 gauge I think. And man, that took forever to learn cuz I kept messing it up and it was getting way too hot. Like with one of my buddies welders and I had no clue what I was doing and i was like oh shit.
1: <laughs> what kind so, of welder was he was he using?
3: We were just firing it off with the Mig man, <laughs> like really light. There you but go. It, it, it works. It, the The last go around, this thing's looking freaking great now. I'm looking at the oil tank now. Like we panelled it, and it's cool because like nothing really matches on the bike. It's all the same color, but it's got like there's a lot of rounds and sharp edges on it. But that was probably the the hardest part. That and the wiring harness on this thing was an, insane to cut down.
1: So how did you approach the wiring? Because this is a question we get from people all the time. It's like you're, you're sitting there with a bike that runs with a harness that is enormous. Where do you even begin?
3: Okay. So the biggest thing for us is that I still had it in the old bike, which I knew that bike ran. I rode it like 70 miles home and I was like, cool. I know this bike works. I know everything works on it. So we just first we cut off things we knew we weren't going to need. Like, so we, We chased all the way back to the fuse panel. We took off like turn signals, headlights, horn, you know, whatever else was there. And then when we started getting to things like kickstand switch, which some bikes require um, because they have like a mercury switch, we'd cut that out, try and start it. If it didn't work, we knew something was on. We'd have to figure out how to loop it or, you know, uh, figure out how to bypass it. Just start cutting random things out like piece by piece instead of cutting everything out at once. Because if you cut it all out, then you can't figure out what the fuck you were supposed to have on there in the first place.
0: Right, exactly.
1: Dude, like,
3: like the what's up?
0: That was like the same approach Greece took when he was doing uh, his uh roadside.
3: Right, dude. And that's the only way to go because like my my body or my generation uh, engine doesn't need a neutral safety switch, but the next one needs like a, to let you know it's in neutral. So, like, people have cut the, like, locked those things out, and then they can never figure out where their bike's gone, you know. And then we have the same thing that these Suzukis have, like, an anti-theft in, like, the, the ignition, like, where the key tumbler's at. But it's a 100-ohm resistor just buried in the back of it, and it's not, they don't put it on their, um, they don't put it on, like, the schematic. So, if you cut it out, you have no clue. It's not on there. <laughs> because it's supposed to be anti theft So we were sitting there and I was like every time I take this wire off this bike doesn't run anymore but if I hold it to the back of this tumbler it works. And we dug all like the epoxy out and yeah there was a 100 ohm resistor sitting in there. I was like wow. Glad we checked that out.
1: <laughs> Damn, huh? Yeah, you really got to look at everything.
3: Dude, straight up.
1: So was it uh how long did it take you to get all the wiring sorted out?
3: It was probably like uh, it was probably like two good Saturdays, but it was mostly like, we were probably only good for the Saturday for like half of it before we got too drunk. And I was like, yeah, we can't just keep cutting things off. Like us being drunk right now. <laughs> <it's never>
1: <laughs> that's, that's amazing. You had the, uh, the wherewithal to stop. Usually once you're too drunk to, to stop cutting, that's usually when you're doing the most cutting.
3: Yeah i've i've gone so hard <laughs> where i've we've gotten so drunk and done some shit we shouldn't have done i was like man we got to get real good about this so like, I, you know my buddy had a brand new triumph and we cut that whole thing to pieces and i like we couldn't get it to run anymore i was like well this sucks <laughs> i better learn how to do some shit then yeah <laughs> <laughs> right
0: <laughs> that
1: but is- yeah that is fucking wild. Hey, and, and I don't know if I if I missed it. Um, stop me if, if you guys already mentioned it, but where did you find the front end for this bike?
3: So the front end is actually, like, I don't know. Uh, I know Loctite probably might know because I tagged him in it in the in the group chat that we have, but uh, this dude, Bone Orchard, uh, oh, I think yeah. he's out of Maine.
1: He is now, he, yeah. He wasn't before, but he moved up to Maine recently.
3: Super cool dude. He, um hit me up or I hit him up a few times because I knew I was going to need a new front end and I really wanted a long one. I was going to go rigid, but then I was like, oh, I'll just go for it, the Springer. And yeah, I hit him up and then yeah, we went back and forth and finally we just came down on this. I had like one of the longer ones up until recently. I think he just built a 30 over. And I actually think he built a really long one, I think for C.T. Newman, but I'm not too sure.
1: Yeah, he, be- he makes some gorgeous front ends, man. So this is one oh, of dude. The-, the relics, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, oh. they're like
0: the. Um, oh, I can't think of the name right now.
3: No, the relic is uh, Voodoo Vintage.
1: Oh, that's right. I'm confusing the two.
3: Is there th- um, Century? Century? They're like Century, Century lights. Yeah. Didn't your front end get
0: lost in the mail?
3: Oh yeah, oh yeah. I was shitting a break, dude. We, me and and Bono were just shitting breaks from both sides of the country. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, dude, what happened to it?" He's like, "I oh, don't know. It says it was in like Kentucky last or some shit." And I was like, "Well, it's been two weeks, and it's not in Arizona." And I was like, "I'm not gonna freak out yet." And he was like, "I'm trying not to freak out either." So then we're sitting here, and like, turns out, like, because he makes these badass boxes for him. That all the boxes are handmade too. The label fell off it somewhere in Phoenix, so it was sitting in Phoenix for like a week. It was gone for like almost three weeks. Dude, that is That's fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, I was upset. The second I was like yelling at the, I was trying not to. I never try to yell at people on the phone, but I was like, "This is like sixteen hundred dollars floating around in the mail right now. Like, how do you guys know where is that?" I was, and the lady's like, "Well, what kind of box is it?" I'm like, "It looks like a small coffin. You can't miss it. Like, it's a custom made box. Okay, it's not just any box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. right, right." And, dude, finally it showed up, and it was, like, kind of beat up. Like, a couple of the pieces were broken on it, but either way, I was just happy to have it back. They had to wheel it out at, like, the post office. I was like, dude, give me the shit right now. I'm never coming back here again. Dude, three weeks
1: mm-hmm. in the age of Amazon is, like, three months. Straight up, dude. That's, not like, a terrifying either. amount of time to not have a resolution.
3: Oh, dude. And I was like, it was, my build was waiting on that new longer Springer. And I was like, Oh my God.
1: Yeah. So where are you? Like, take us through. At the time where you're waiting three weeks for a front end that you don't even know if it's coming or not, where, where in the process are you? How far away from the deadline are you? Give us the whole story.
3: Oh man. Well, I think it was in, let's see, it was probably in February. So I was like a chunk of the way through this uh like I was already my bike was already like mostly together with the old front end on it. I was trying to make it like a really cool, like perfect to me bike. So I ordered it in November. Actually when I found out I got entered into the Greasy Dozen, I hit um uh, Bone Orchard up on Black Friday when I was in Mexico and I ordered one right then and there. <laughs> and uh so I ordered the front end. Bike's still like all raw. Nothing's going on with it hasn't moved it's just been sitting on my lift for years and we just started tearing it apart because like i didn't have a battery box built yet uh there was like no sissy bar i didn't have a fender or anything it was just like sitting there so i got all these parts coming in and i ordered that front end and the front end's just like not showing up so like i'm just like well i need the bike on the ground so i could figure out where the sissy bar looks best like you know where this oil tank should look best at and yeah, it just didn't show up. And I was like, uh-oh. So I just kept building off the short front end. You're pretty much fucked when you're building a long bike because, like, there's a
0: lot of shit to compensate for with how far that fucking front oh, end yeah. goes.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> it worked out pretty well because I kept, like, the whole bike's kind of tight in the rear and the front end's, like, ridiculously long because I didn't want, like, a... I don't know. I, I just tried to keep the whole rear of the bike really tight so it's, like, engine and wheel are all really, like, pretty close together. Right. But, but, yeah, no, I was definitely freaking out, me and him both. Like, I actually don't think he uses the postal service anymore for shipping because he's like, I can't do this. <laughs> I was freaking out. You're the only one I've ever lost.
1: Yeah, for, like you said, for both of you because he's over there like I'm not – he doesn't want shit just going missing and leaving it on his customer
3: either. So – Right. That's I was terrifying just like hey. – for everyone. Oh, it was so it was so. My my fiance is trying to calm me down. I'm like just freaking out. I'm like the spring is gone. I'm never gonna see it again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh man. <laughs> now
1: it's starting to sound like motherfucking Jerry every time Jerry tries to send something.
3: <laughs> lost in translation somewhere along the way, dude. I was so scared. I was so nervous. I was like, man, I'm never gonna see this thing cool. when it showed up. I like the, it was like the best the to be the best part of the year so far in the beginning of the year, you know? <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Dude, so. that is, I mean, I'm happy that, that it made it safe and sound. It's like how mm-hmm. so much craftsmanship went into the thing. Like the mm-hmm. money, the money sucks, you know, he makes
3: them all by hand by himself. I was like, yeah. hell yeah.
1: Absolutely. So we,
0: I don't know. I mean, pretty much everybody I've asked, but how badly were you affected? Like from like the COVID thing during this build,
3: Uh, I mean, I think you guys had all the cool Harley parts took forever to get here. All my shit was just like lowbrow and, and other stuff. But like, I had like a, some pretty big life things happen. And like, I just kind of, I actually texted Zane. I was like, I'm not even going to finish the build this year. You know, it's just not for me. So like COVID really hit hard out here for us. I didn't lose my job or anything. I was just like, so much shit happened, man. But you know, I guess for COVID, it was no, no. It wasn't that bad. I still worked on it and went to work every single day. Right. You know, I I wasn't on. You know, it's unfortunate. Like I, I know a lot of you dudes have lost your jobs and stuff like that. So
0: yeah, it was fucking terrible. It was like I lost because I. You guys all know, but uh, pretty much got laid off from my job immediately <laughs> and, <laughs> i know uh, i remember you saying
3: that. I was like oh fuck
0: <laughs> yeah and like trying to order parts was like fucking non-existent like it literally took me like it was like a month and a half for my wheels to come in
3: right <laughs> so for like the
0: longest time i'm just like i have a bike with no wheels and i'm like fucking sick you know <laughs> like how do you build a bike and not have any wheels
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because, like, I wanted to run I wanted to run really weird shit, you know? Like, I had originally bought an 18-inch front wheel for this, right? Yep. But it just didn't – I didn't want to run – like, it was a dual-disc hub, like, an old-school, like, old go-kart disc hub. And I was like, man, I don't, don't want to run brakes on this, and I don't want to run a dual flange hub. So I
2: just, right. like,
3: looked around on Instagram until I found, like, a 17-inch front wheel on it. So now I'm rocking, like, a 17 on the front with, like, a Harley 16 I found out here in Phoenix in the rear. And I was like, man, like – his bikes look mean. <laughs> so, like, all my parts were pretty much locally sourced, except for like all the wiring that I bought from Lowbrow and everything else. So,
0: now, did you do the paint on it?
3: No, actually, uh, one of my buddies now. He's been basically, he's one of my best friends now for the last uh, two years. He's just he's fresh. He just started his own painting thing, and he's been going to town. We just paint everything I have. I guess painted like this bike, painted my Triumph, painted my KZ. Yeah, we just been going to town. I'm like, yeah, dude, take all my money and paint this thing, and I'm all broke from it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Does he own like a business now? Or
3: uh, well, he works for like a like a just like um like a dealership, but like they yep. let him use the paint booth. So like he oh. paints after hours. But yeah, actually, uh, I'll throw his handle. His handles uh Black Anchor Paintworks, and and yeah, he does a bunch of dope stuff. Fuck yeah! So that's what's up. Yeah, we spent three years or two years talking about the paint we were gonna do on this bike. Like it was supposed to be like white. We wanted to be like I don't know what the fuck we were thinking before. We want to do like white and pink. I was like, no, it's way too bright. <laughs> we wanted like really mean kind of 90s looking bikes. It's like, so that's what the color scheme we went with. You know, it's like a 70s long chopper. I don't know. We just threw everything we had at this bike at one go.
0: And you just ended it. It's black, right? Black with the pink?
3: Yeah, we did. Uh, so it's black tins and it's got like pink with like real thick gold pearl in it. That you can't see in any of the pictures in the, the flames. And then In I the took, flame? yeah. So the flames are pink gold, and then uh, all the rest of it we took to this dude, this lowrider dude who does bomb pinstriping because I can't pinstripe for shit. Okay. And yeah, he did uh teal and pink pinstriping because I wanted to like, I wanted to accent itself pretty well because, like I said, nothing's really like I have rounded pieces and like really sharp pieces. So like the battery box came out. It's like my favorite part of the entire bike.
0: Yeah.
1: So. Give an up-close shot of the battery box?
3: I don't think I do at all.
1: It's angular. I can see it from here. It, I'm a, it's where the oil tank is, right?
3: Right, right. It's what looks like an oil tank, yeah.
1: Yeah, I like that it's all incorporated into the same spot there.
3: It right, because def- I, I don't want to, like, have a battery hanging out. Like, you know, my KZ had to have one hanging out before. It just doesn't look right. I wanted the bike to look like, you know. It's that yeah. negative space. That's what it is. It, there's a lot of negative space. Well, I didn't get to build the exhaust I wanted, in like that naked space. Like I want to build like some really long, like seventy style exhaust out the back. Right. It
1: definitely needs it. With the with the front end being as far forward as it is, I feel like right. you really set it off. With the uh, and now you got the time, you know.
3: Right. I'd like to do it uh, before EDR this coming year. So that's like my big goal.
1: That's awesome, man. I I really dig the colors that you went with, too, the black and pink there.
3: That worked out pretty well.
1: (laughs) Very fucking tropical. The one thing I will ask, and, I mean, it's tough to say because I'm looking at a picture, and it's different from being there in person, but what is the clearance like with your hand over that tank on that grip?
3: It looks so tight. (laughs) Oh, uh, with the rabbit ears on? Oh, dude, it's like one and a half inches i'm guessing i'm looking at it from the other side of the garage right now it's <laughs> not that far but like you don't hit the tank
1: <laughs> so you, you don't you say you don't hit the tank on it you don't
3: you don't hit the tank but man you graze like your your gloves will graze it and you're like god damn
1: you're gonna get that like a, just like a little <laughs> bit of wear on that the top of the tank there
3: <laughs> <laughs> dude i know yeah. Yeah, my friend, like, I, I don't know if any of the pictures I've put in it either, like, uh, there's, like, a bunch of gold leaf across the top of it, my friend did in it, too. It's, mm-hmm. so, like, it's also, like, the bike, yeah, the bike was named Wildcard because uh, my now wife always yelled at me about always telling Philadelphia because I was always, like, fucking around and whatever motorcycle thing we went to, I was always pissing somebody off. So we named the bike wildcard because, like, no one knows what's going on with it. And I was like, dude, these bars work perfectly. Like, they just sit against the tank. Like, it's such a tiny little bike. Like, it, it looks all long in the pictures. But, man, when I stand next to it, it's, like, not even past my, I guess, not even up to my shoulders. Like, the sissy bar is the tallest thing on it by, like, an inch.
1: Yeah, it's not tall, but it is long as fuck. Also, I love the, the Always Sunny reference to the wildcard. You should cut the brakes on it just to just to fully <laughs> embrace the wildcard. Oh, dude, they
3: were just screaming I was telling my uh, wife and her friends I was going to have to do this interview last night and, and Kaylee ran out. She's like, card, bitches. And I'm like, oh my God, here we go. This is it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's fucking awesome, man. Yeah. So what is it like to uh, to ride it down the road? I mean, what's it like in twisties? Are, are low speed things a problem? Or, and is it i so you only, thought it be?
3: I've only really ridden it like maybe less than 35 miles an hour right now because like i said i was having engine troubles with it the whole time i couldn't figure out what was wrong with it but like man trying to get used to turning this thing is a handful <laughs> i was like <laughs> i rolled up to the gas station to get beers and i was like i have no fucking clue how i'm leaving this place right
0: now <laughs> like, <laughs> like,
3: i should have just walked to the gas station <laughs>
0: so that's, they some
1: there's something Someone's going to see you in the front pulling the front end with your hands just like let me just turn it this way
3: <laughs> yeah the, i think the rat like it's the only the only thing i've ever written that's like this insane right i had like eight overs on my stock rate kz at one point and like that was wild but like the flop on this thing dude like I'm just like flexing the whole time, trying to make sure it doesn't fall a certain way. I'm like holding it, flexing, holding it in place. I'm like, dude, this thing's going to go at any moment. I already know it's going to take off.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that thing, that, I'm assuming you get some serious flop at a low speed.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So generally what I found out so far, but again, I've never really ridden a bike like this at all. I just built it what I saw. <laughs> I went for it.
1: One of our listeners at Rappaport is probably listening in with so much to say about this.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> the motherfucking rake and trail guide himself. But uh I'm sure you I'm sure you get used to it, at least to some sen- uh to some degree. Who made that seat, by the way?
3: I made the seat pan myself. And then um there's a dude that lives right down the road for me. He builds like all the seats for like the chopper guys in the Valley in Phoenix right now. Yep. And uh, yeah, he covered it up and uh, he made it like super, I told him I was like, I want something that has like a lot of like mid back support. Cause I'm planning like, it seems going to be going like it'll crush miles going fast. It can't, it's not a slow bike. So I want it to be comfortable while it's moving.
1: <laughs> and, uh, I'm not going to yeah. go fast on it, but if I did <laughs> and I'm right. be and he, comfortable
3: he's done a bunch of seats on my bikes he's a really cool guy yeah his name's rex he doesn't he's all low-key he doesn't have like instagram or anything he's an old dude he just does it out of his garage down the street oh damn yeah it's kind of hard to tell in the pictures but i had uh blue i put like tealish kind of blue to match like the rest of the pinstriping in the seat and purple for the stitching so i could also it's like one of those weird things that you have to see up close i guess
1: Definitely. And speaking of seeing things up close too, those covers look fucking gorgeous, man.
3: Oh, yeah, polish those all my hand, The That thing took me forever to do.
1: <laughs> I believe it. I'm looking at him now and it's it literally looks like a fucking mirror. So that is that's really awesome work, man. How how long did it take to get that?
3: I don't even know. I don't even think I took time. I would just put a bunch of music on in the garage and just sand my life away and then I had like bought like a Harbor Freight grinding like a bench grinder, and then I put a bunch of buffing pads on it and just went to town. There'd be, like, times where, like, I'd, I'd slip and I'd hit the nut and I'd have to restart the whole thing over because i just, like, put a bunch of gouges in it. I'm like, God damn it.
1: I know the struggle. Yeah, I do a lot of stainless stuff at work, and then you're, you're putting a lot of pressure on the on the the polishing wheel, and then it <laughs> yeah. it slips and you whack it into the edge of the thing, and then there's a gouge so deep you have to start the whole – Sanding process over and you're like, Maybe I should just get a new fucking job.
3: <laughs> right. Dude, no, I felt like that. I was like, next time I think I'm just gonna take it to the guy at the road everyone told me to take it to because he does the great work anyways, but I was like, I wanna do it on my own this time. I try to do like the carburetor bowls. I try to like get like a little Dremel and do the carbs itself. But I gave up like halfway through. I was like, it's oh, stupid. God, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just something that does vapor honing. Call it a day. think <laughs> yeah, like, it's the stupidest thing ever. Well, my friend does vapor honing too. So <laughs> just took it over to his shit afterwards. I was like, can you do this for me? I don't want to do this anymore.
1: Yeah. I, I feel like those, those people are, uh, are a godsend after. <laughs>
3: but, uh, especially after I invested probably like 10 hours of nothing. <laughs>
1: Right, only only to have uh some sections be really sparkly and then other ones just like i can't get in there so
3: yeah so i kept the bowls real shiny on it and the carpet's been cleaned out and then like yeah like all the side covers you see like anything that had any type of lettering i did like uh i took my wife's nail polish and like polished in the letters with pink, like bright pink and then uh cleared over the the lettering so like they look pretty cool too so
1: yeah, man, I love I love that the accent that you did with that. It came out looking very professional. You did a great job with that. Thanks, man. Of course.
0: So before we run out of time, because we got, we got three minutes before Zoom kicks us the hell out of here. Do <laughs> um, you want to just give, like, your overall experience, like what you took from Greasy Dozen, and any advice to anybody that's thinking about it?
3: All right, if Greasy... Uh... Sorry, Greasy Doesn't. If uh, Chicken Rick shows up to your house and tells you to go into Greasy Doesn't, just go for it. You're probably going to get picked. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> he randomly showed up here. I hit him up on Instagram when he said he was coming to Phoenix, and um, yeah, I entered in, and I was sitting drunk on the beach of Mexico, and I got accepted. So it was all pretty good party for me. Fuck. <laughs> so. That's epic. Yeah, it was actually a good time. He's a great dude. Chicken Rick's a a shit.
1: Seen that guy a few times myself. He is a good guy. Definitely is. And so (laughs) for the people that are going to be entering this year, any advice as far as uh, for the people who get picked?
3: Oh, man, buckle down and just keep working at it. (laughs) Because, like, I wanted to quit, like, four times. I was like, yo – I can't do this anymore, but just keep going at it.
1: Absolutely. I think that's great advice, man. And uh, I'm sure that the winners will be getting selected, not too far in the future. So, Hey, for for taking the time to talk with us about the experience and, and everything that you went through with the build, you did a phenomenal job with it, man. Super impressive.
0: Will we see your greasy dozen next year?
3: No, I uh, postponed my wedding this year, and now I have to get – we're putting it off next year.
0: <laughs> oh, shit. So, <laughs>
3: but hopefully the year after that, I'll probably ride this bike out there.
0: Yeah, fuck yeah. So, uh, all right, man. It was, good. it was good to finally talk to you.
3: Yeah, dude, for sure. It was good talking to you guys. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Catch you guys later.
1: We're back. Big shout-out to those two guys for jumping in with us tonight. Awesome fucking info, really talented builders. We appreciate them taking the time. So before we uh, move to close anything out here, let us take a second to thank some of the people that make this show possible. First up, we got B3, aka Babes Bikes and Beards, out of Chelsea, Massachusetts. If you're looking to get in touch with some of the best bike nights out here Hit up Babes Bikes Beards on Instagram, join the Slack team, and follow them on Instagram. Next up, we got Lowbrow Customs, everything you need for the road ahead since 2004. Go back and check out Tyler's episode on this podcast, Milwaukee Murderer. Awesome dude, has his hands in every grassroots motorcycle event across the country. It really is amazing how much stuff Lowbrow gets involved in. And their website has literally everything, everything you need. You can build an entire bike off of one URL. Pretty fucking cool stuff. Go to lowbrowcustoms.com, lowbrowcustoms on Instagram and on YouTube.
0: Next up, we got Deadbeat Customs. i heard that name before. I <laughs> feel like it sounds
1: familiar. Uh, I heard about some kind of retreat or something like that. It's, it's escaping me.
0: Deadbeat Customs, the homie Steve out of Pooksbury, Mass., the man who puts on the Deadbeat Retreat where all the lives go to motherfucking die. Uh, make sure you get over to Deadbeat Customs on Instagram, on the interwebs, and on motherfucking YouTube. Steve does a little bit of everything. He's got diner parts. He's got chopper parts. He's got fucking pretty much everything. He's got some a dope-ass flannel line that he just put out. Um... So make sure you go check them out, deadbeatcustoms.com.
1: Perfect. Next up, we got Hypnic Jerk Customs out of Sydney, Australia. Maybe Sydney, maybe just Australia. But either way, some of the dopest taillights you're ever going to lay your eyes upon. This is confirmed by everybody we rode to Deadbeat with. You know, I got one on the soft tail. That thing was shining like a fucking lighthouse when we got dumped on. Uh, as we took that f- ride over to the Unicorn Ranch. Awesome, awesome taillights. You could weld them in. You could bolt them in. Guaranteed, you're not going to run into other people uh, at your local bike night that are running the same taillight, which is really what it's all about. So make sure you get yourself a cool-ass taillight. He's also got points covers, turn signals, and some headlights too, if I'm not mistaken. And if there's nothing on there that tickles your fancy, which is Complete bullshit because everything on there is awesome. He will make you custom stuff too. So hit up HypnicJerkCustoms.com. Also, he's running 10% off right now. Come to think of it. I just saw that on his page. 10% off everything he makes. So go on over there, shop around. You're getting 10% off of however many Australian doubloons that those, headlight, those taillights cost. So take advantage of the sale and tell him that we sent you. Next up, we've got Ferro Fabrication located in Londonderry, New Hampshire, for all of your welding needs. You got a hardtail you need welded up, repair made on a frame that you already got, some complete other oddball thing? Let me know. Hit up Ferro Fabrication on Instagram. I can come to you. If you can't bring it to me, either way, we will get you squared away. Ferro Fabrication on Instagram or Ferro Fabrication Dot com. Last but not least, we got Loctite's motherfucking
0: chop shop. Can we look at the motherfucking Unicorn Ranch? Um, as of right now, I am more concentrated on the Unicorn Ranch business, um, which includes pretty much all things vinyl: hats, koozies, shirts, decals, whatever the fuck you need, hit us up and go follow Unicorn Ranch on Instagram. That's where I do all my pinstriping giveaways. And uh, that's it. Go fucking give us a follow.
1: All right, guys. So to close this one out, I will say, if you ever thought about joining the Greasy Dozen, it's time to take the chance, cut that motherfucking frame, and make some plans.